Hey, you're listening to the PBC Pathways podcast, a question and response podcast where Pastor Steve Rose and I discuss the sermon series that have recently wrapped up at PBC. In this episode, we discuss the Hebrew series, which lasted almost a year and was full of so much spiritual truth and wisdom for us individually and the church as a whole. If you have any questions about this or any other sermon series from PBC, please email us at info at pbcfrankfurt.org. This is our first ever PBC Pathways podcast, um, where me and uh, me and Pastor Steve sit here and uh, we we discuss the uh, the previous sermon series, kind of sum it up, talk about you know maybe what went into the planning or uh, some of the background um, in Steve's study of the scripture uh, and even address questions that uh, different people that have listened to the sermons throughout the series might have presented. Um, And uh, the first series that we're going to be reviewing is the Hebrews series. Nice. Yeah, and uh, that was was a long one. It was a long one. It was, uh, you know... God takes us through trials and tribulations to see if we're going to be faithful. And Hebrews was one of those trials and tribulations. Yeah. That was uh, over a year, right? Yeah, give or take. We we had a little break off there with Advent. And um, I think we did another separate little series there on unity. But um, we started in January of uh, 2021 and yeah, just wrapped up two weeks ago. So yeah, long haul. Yeah. All right. And so uh, at the start of each sermon, uh, you gave the uh, gave the the congregation, <laughs> the congregants a uh, a little a little catchphrase. That's what right. was that? It was to um, to know Jesus better and to love Jesus more and serve Jesus greater. That was the that was what I wanted to be fixated in their minds of to kind of be the goal of going through this difficult book and, and really, um, you know, pursuing the truths that are in it. Gotcha. You know, after saying that week after week for a year, I was kind of hoping you might've accidentally messed <laughs> up there, but it is ingrained you, in you my brain, Corey, <laughs> right, right on point. Um, okay. So the first question that, uh, that we have here is how does Hebrews help us shape the church's mission? Sure. Um, you know, so with, if we look at that community that this letter was written to, um, they had gone through a lot. Just from reading the letter, we can see that um, they apparently had had people that had been in prison for their faith. Uh, there was a segment where, um, you know, the author talks about that they had joyfully accepted the plundering of their property, you know. And so I think one of the ways it helps shape the mission of the church is it helps to remind us that when we are on mission, while we are on mission, we cannot necessarily expect things to always go smoothly uh, or to be comfortable um, or to even go the way that we would like them to go. And quite honestly, if a church is on mission, uh, they should expect some things to be going on around them. Um, the enemy is not scared of a church that's not on mission. And so if there's no, uh, there's no attack, if there's no discomfort, if there's no, uh, having to 
you know, really kind of dig deep in areas, then that ought, that ought to really um, sort of be a red flag for a, a church community. So I think it helps to shape that mission in that reminder. And then, of course, just the way the author paints the supremacy of Jesus Christ over and above everything. And when we read that letter and, and see all the challenges to the, to the Jewish religious system, I think it's easy for us to sit back and go, oh, yeah, they, you know, they totally missed the point. They wanted to go back to the sacrifices. They wanted to go back to this and that. And, but we, we fall under the same spell you know, of thinking, well, if we could just go back to church 20 years ago or 40 years ago or that everything would be fine. And that's not a church mission. That that's just staying where you're comfortable and staying where really if, if outsiders come in from the, that community or come into this community, if you're staying in those places, they don't know what you're talking about. They don't, you know, it's, it makes it difficult to reach them and engage them in community. So I think those are a couple ways that it, helps to shape the the mission of the church for sure okay i gotcha um so if you could reduce hebrews to uh one or two sentences what would that be you know probably something along the lines of jesus fulfills everything yeah um he just he is the fulfillment of every religious system he's the fulfillment of every good gift of God. He's the fulfillment of every prophetic statement that was ever uttered Mm -hmm. about what God was doing and was going to do. Um, He's going to ultimately be the fulfillment of our very history and time. You know, um, our, our time as we know it as a people is divided, uh, you know, has a stopping and starting point based on his birth. Mm-hmm. He, he's just going to be, he is and, and will be the fulfillment of everything. And I think if we can continually wrap our heads around that and just realize that great truth, um, you know, we can really see him do some amazing things through, uh, through faithful obedience. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, going along with that, um, with Jesus being the fulfillment of all of that, uh, there's kind of a theme that we find um, specifically around the middle chapters, five, six, seven in that area, mm-hmm. um, that Jesus is better, mm. right? Uh, the the theme is that he is a better equivalent to what was before. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you kind of expand on that a bit? Yeah, I think the challenge of that, of course, again, for us to make application to ourselves, we have to see what the context is of what's written, right? And so the context for them was Jesus was a better Moses. He was a better prophet. He was a better um, Melchizedek, you know, this random figure that eats up a big chunk of the Hebrews letter. Um, he was a better sacrifice. Like, so what we see in that is we see them being challenged to say, think of everything that you think has meaning and merit and value and realize that Jesus is better than that. So for us, then it's the same challenge to think of everything through our denominational lens, through our um, personal journey of Christianity lens, 
and to think of all the things that maybe we hold near and dear and rightly so, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're important things in our lives. Um, but to think of those things and then have that pop in our mind, but Jesus is better than that. And, 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 and again, that's, that's that, that's that kind of thinking. I think that the author wants us to get to so that we don't settle for what we think is good or even what we think is comfortable because we know it, you know, but that we just keep pursuing whatever it is that is better. And of course, ultimately that's, that's just Jesus. I gotcha. So, uh, if someone wanted to do their own in-depth study of Hebrews, uh, what would be your advice? I think obviously there are, um, used used to be to do an in-depth study, really only pastors and seminary professors could do those kinds of things because they were the only ones who had libraries that consisted of, you know, a hundred or more books. Now you can go on the web, on the, uh, on websites, you can uh, have digital um, resources downloaded to your computer. Like there's all sorts of things that enable people to really be in depth. And so, but outside of that, even, I think if a person were just to sit down with the book of Hebrews, and start to go through it again, verse by verse, passage by passage. And every time the writer references something from the Old Testament, if they would pause in that study of Hebrews and go back and read that in the Old Testament and study that before they move on in Hebrews, I think that would be more than sufficient because it would really begin to help them understand Hebrews in the way the author intended for them to. If you don't have the knowledge of the Old Testament writings, Hebrews misses something. Yeah. Um, and really it's that way with all of scripture. I heard a, a pastor this week on a podcast say, you know, Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love your neighbor with all your heart, uh, soul and mind, or love the God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And he made the point, he said, those two sayings are in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. So if Jesus sums up all the commandments by pointing back to those two books, and we're not faithful in understanding those two books, we're not really faithful in understanding what Jesus is saying. Yeah. So I think Hebrews is is a very similar task. Go through it. When you hit something in the Old Testament, go back, study it, familiarize yourself with it before you move on into Hebrews and, and let that be your guide. What do you think uh, the community response was to the letter? Yeah, you know, it's interesting to think about, at least I think it's interesting to think about, like they, um, depending on when this letter was written, and most people settle at around 60 to 65 AD, um, the little bit of a timeline there just to, to get us to help us see what this community was like. Uh, in about AD 49, um, all the Jews were driven out of Rome. The Emperor Claudius, I believe, commanded them all to leave, so they had to be uprooted, go out in a dispersion. Um, around 57 AD, um, they were allowed to come back, and it was kind of seen by a lot of them as, okay, well, this is kind of when God's going to restore us, you know, and he's going to start us here and raise us as a nation. 
And then early 60s, and then particularly through the mid-60s, late 60s, you'd have this in, intense ramping up of persecution by Emperor Nero. So I say all that to say this. My hope is, is as they read it, Nero's persecution hadn't really gotten to full speed yet. Like he wasn't burning Christians in his gardens yet. But it, but it had begun. Yeah. And my hope is that they would read this letter as a community and say to themselves, all right, we've already been through this once. Yeah. We got expelled from the city. We got to come back. Now this, you know, the government's coming after us again. And, I, and, and my hope is that they kind of, you know, got bound together as a community and said, okay, we are pushing through this. We're pushing through this for the sake of Jesus. We're pushing through this for the sake of the mission. Um, it, it doesn't matter what this new emperor wants to do to us. We have a, a mission set before us, and nothing is going to divert us from that. that. That's my hope. We don't have a ton of historical uh, reference as to what really happened to that community yeah. after they received that letter, but um, that, that would be my hope. And, and particularly thinking as Nero's persecution ramped up, you know, it was about 70 A.D. when the temple was fully destroyed. And um, really, they kind of lost all of their heritage at that point. And so, you know, the hope would be that, that even as that was going on, uh, they, were, they were continuing in their mission, continuing together as a community, um, and really being challenged by these words that this author had written to him gotcha um now taking that um that train of thought um into current times mm -hmm. um what would be the hope for how we would receive that scripture now yeah there i think it's fair to say that the American church has lived with um, or lived in an era of great comfortability mm -hmm. of feeling like, well, yes, persecution exists, but it, it's not going to exist for us. Um, it's, um, you know, it, it happens to other places and kind of having a, a living a charmed life I guess if you will so it's my hope that we would maybe see some of what's going on in the culture around us um, and realize yeah whatever comes our way we can get through it too as as the church now begins to see the culture change around us and um, maybe even become a little uncomfortable for us you know, my hope would be that we would be able to take a letter like Hebrews and say, absolutely, whatever we have to go through, um, even though it may not look like it did 30 years ago, 60 years ago, 90 years ago, um, we're willing to go through it for the supremacy of the mission, for the supremacy of realizing that, that Jesus is better, you know, um, and, and not, I think sometimes there's a tendency to sort of want to, circle the wagons and look inward uh -huh. and well, let's just conserve what we have or preserve what we have. Right. And 
that's not what we really see through the book of Hebrews. It, it wasn't preserving what they had. It was moving forward with what Jesus wanted them to do and, and who Absolutely. he wanted them to be. Yeah. Uh, and I hope that would be the challenge that we would take from that as well. Okay. Um, so now that we have wrapped up that series, um, what are some of your final thoughts, things that maybe you didn't, you didn't get a chance to say or wish you had said during that sermon series? Yeah. You know, um, the warning passages are really tough, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, there's five of them, I believe, in various places. And um, throughout history, there have been pastors and Bible study leaders and so forth who um, have made them be passages that essentially taught that you could lose your salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would have been nice to have been able to spend a little more time in depth on those. You know, I, I hope that what I was able to communicate in those passages was helpful and beneficial to people. Um, but that's one of those things where I think if you've been taught for most of your life that this passage means this, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden now somebody comes along with a differing view um, or a differing foundation, um, sometimes having some extra discussion about that helps. And so that th- those would be some that I would have liked to have maybe had some more time to, to deal with. Um, and then, you know, just th- there's, you know, the Melchizedek, this strange, mysterious Old Testament figure who has two or three verses written about him in the old, in all of the Old Testament. Right. But yet then gets a whole chapter devoted to him in Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have benefited, I think, from maybe being able to do some more intense background kind of, here's what we know about him and, and so forth. But, you know, when you're, when you're trying to go through it at a relatively um, decent pace, uh, sometimes you kind of have to, I don't want to say gloss over certain things, mm-hmm. but you, you can't, we, we would have been in it for four years if I'd have done that with, <laughs> with all yeah. the places in Hebrews that, that right. really kind of demanded that. Okay. I gotcha. Um, so now looking, looking forward, um, we uh, we're not quite jumping into the next full series, right? right? So yeah. we're doing kind of a, a little little mini mini series, maybe leading up to Easter. Yeah, uh, what is kind of the the theme there? Taking a couple of looks the two Sundays before Easter at a particular story out of the Gospels that deal with sacrifice mm-hmm. um, and the inability of one individual to sacrifice, um, and then kind of comparing and contrasting that to other individuals who did mm-hmm. sacrifice in their life um, and, and kind of going that route because hopefully hoping that that will prepare us to remember the sacrifice of Jesus around Easter weekend okay. and to really then be able to see and be reminded of what he gave and because of what he gave and then was resurrected. Yeah. Anything he asks of us to give is nominal compared to what he did for us. And so whether we're, you know, the rich young ruler who's commanded to sell everything mm-hmm. or whether we're the widow's might who can just put in two coins, it's all nominal right? compared to what Jesus um, has done for us. So kind of that, that format through, um, through here in April and then 
starting in May, um, we're going to be looking at a new series called Stories. And we're just going to kind of take some of the biblical stories that are probably fairly well known, um, but spend a little more time kind of dissecting them and and uh, be some old Old Testament stories, some New Testament stories. Um, but just, just spend um, probably a couple months or so um, in, in some places like that in the scripture and, and look for some new ways to be challenged by maybe something that at least if you've grown up in church are very f- familiar stories. Right. Um, and at the same time, I think it's an intriguing st- series because we've encountered a lot of people who don't know the stories. Yeah. You know, so um, it'll, it'll serve both groups, I think, really well. Okay. Awesome. Well, I think that about wraps it up for, uh, for the, the Hebrew series, uh, podcast here. Yeah. Um, excited, man. This is going to be a good, a good resource for folks, I think. And, and, you know, I hope we'll announce this and and let people know, but, you know, as they have questions, they want to email them in, put them on the Facebook page. Um, you know, the, we would love to receive questions about Mm -hmm. the things that are going on on Sunday mornings um in our in our worship service and the teachings and so that we can then address them in this format i think that'd be a a good way to help connect with people even more yeah absolutely and uh yeah i think that's about it cool thanks steve outstanding thanks for listening to the pbc pathways podcast about the hebrew series the next episode will cover the story series, and we'd love to feature your questions in that episode. So please email us at info at pvcfrankford.org.